the ability to tune into what others are feeling and empathize is one of the hardest skills to develop if you don't already have it. Being direct and being assertive and moving things forward doesn't mean not caring about the humans around you. So the name of the game with assertiveness is not just to aggressively put your opinion out there, but to put it out there in a way where your audience is going to consider it and agree with it. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jess, and I am the host and creator of the Art of Speaking Up podcast. I am also a career coach for women. And through my work as a coach and through my podcast, my mission is to help ambitious women build confidence, develop a super powerful communication style, and really thrive in their corporate careers. Because when I was in my corporate career, I was searching for workshops and resources that would help me grow my confidence and become a really powerful, effective leader. And I had a lot of troubles finding professional development resources that were made for women and targeted at women that felt effective for me and that resonated with me. And so I started this show in order to fill a void that I was experiencing. And my hope is that I can help you accelerate your career path and move into leadership faster by growing your confidence, by becoming a best-in-class communicator, and by really learning to see and believe that you have everything it takes and all the talent that you need to thrive professionally. So that's what we are doing. And that is actually such a perfect lead-in to today's topic, which is the idea that if you struggle with assertiveness, you might not be giving yourself credit for the ways in which you're actually already naturally gifted at assertiveness. And if this sounds backwards, and if this sounds kind of like nonsensical, it's kind of supposed to sound that way. Because I realized that one of the things that is the root cause or one of the really common reasons that people struggle and particularly that women struggle with assertiveness, at least the women that I support and that I work with, I realized that one of the reasons that really causes their struggle with assertiveness is also their greatest superpower. And they don't view it that way. They just think they're bad at assertiveness and that they have to change and they have to change who they are and change their interpersonal communication style in order to become more assertive. And what I realized is that that's not the case at all. They actually need to properly build on the skills and assets and talents that they already possess when it comes to the skill of assertiveness. So in order to walk you through this, I'm going to back up many, many steps and talk about a trait that I often see in my clients and in the women that I support and interact with, right? So I'm not speaking about 
the entire universe of women, but the women who are in my orbit and who I get to know through my work as a career coach, working with my clients one-on-one and working with my clients in my group, The Art of Speaking Up Academy. One common element that I see that is often the reason that women struggle with assertiveness is because they're highly attuned to other people's needs and other people's feelings, and they experience a strong internal impulse and a strong internal pull to make sure that other people around them are happy and that the people around them are having their needs met and are getting what they want. This is often referred to as people-pleasing. Interrupting quickly just to let you know The Art of Speaking Up is an explicit show This episode might contain an F-bomb or two We wanted you to know if that's important to you And now it's time to get back to the show But put some headphones on if you're around your kiddo I don't love the word people-pleasing, because I think it reduces this idea of being very aware of other people's needs to this negative, not great thing. People-pleasing, I think, has a negative connotation. And while it is a habit that often gets in the way of us showing up powerfully and asserting ourselves and having boundaries, I think that those of us who have a strong people-pleasing tendency, and I for sure 100% identify with this trait, I don't think it's as black and white as we think in terms of if you struggle with assertiveness and you have a tendency towards people-pleasing, that's a bad thing, and you need to fix that and change the way that you relate to and communicate with other people so that you can be more assertive. And in fact, when people take that view and they say, people-pleasing equals bad, I have to change to something different so that I can be more assertive, what I see sometimes happen is that actually gets in the way of the outcomes that people want when they're trying to be more assertive. So typically, when you're trying to be more assertive and you're on that journey towards developing a more direct, assertive communication style, You're wanting to do it so that you can be more effective in your role. You're not just doing it for the sake of it. You're doing it to enhance your leadership and performance, which means that when you assert yourself, when you're direct, you want your audience to come along the journey with you. You want them to buy into what you're saying. You want them to agree with you. And what often happens when people assume that because they're highly empathetic, highly sensitive, highly attuned to other people's feelings, and because they have people-pleasing tendencies, they assume that they need to swing all the way in the other direction, not care about other people's feelings, be super direct and almost cold and transactional. And so what they do is they try this new, very assertive, very direct communication style because that's what they think that they need to do, and they don't end up getting the results that they want. And what often ends up happening is they get a negative response from their audience. And to me, this makes a lot of sense because when we're communicating with our audience, our audience doesn't want to be treated transactionally. Our audience doesn't want to be talked down to. Our audience doesn't want to be talked to in a way that feels excessively direct and transactional. Most of the time, 
that's not going to feel great to our audience. And so often when people think, oh, well, it's it's not good that I'm a people pleaser and I'm way too concerned about making other people happy and I'm not being direct enough and I'm not being assertive enough in the room, they assume that all of those traits are bad and they swing in the direction of trying to be more assertive by being hyper-direct and hyper-transactional and it doesn't land well with their audience. And what they miss, and what I really want to make sure that you are aware of, is they miss the inherent gifts and the inherent abilities that come with being a highly sensitive, highly empathetic, highly attuned individual. When you are someone who is aware of what your audience is feeling, who is able to intuit and sense when people aren't feeling great, who is often thinking about how other people in the room or on the team are feeling, when you are someone who has those abilities, those abilities can help you be assertive. They are not the enemy. You just want to channel that empathy and that sensitivity in a direction that's going to help you move your work forward in an effective way. But assertiveness, like really effective assertiveness, is not just about being direct. Effective assertiveness is about being direct in a way that accomplishes your objectives and has your audience buying into what you're saying. So the name of the game with assertiveness is not just to aggressively put your opinion out there, but to put it out there in a way where your audience is going to consider it and agree with it. And when you're empathetic and you're attuned to the needs and feelings of other people, you have the power to do this very, very effectively. And what I have seen is that the ability to be empathetic and to understand the wants and needs of other people, I found that that's one of the hardest things to learn if it doesn't already come naturally to you. So of all the communication skills and all the things that you need to be good at to succeed in your job, of all the different skills you need, I have found after working with so many professionals to help them build the skills they need to move their career in the direction they want, I have found that the ability to tune into what others are feeling and empathize is one of the hardest skills to develop if you don't already have it. What this means for you is that if you are someone who's highly plugged into how people are feeling and highly empathetic, you have a skill, you have an asset, you have a superpower that not everyone has, that is extremely hard to develop if you don't already have it, and that can make you wildly effective in your career. And I say this because I don't want you to think that you need to change this aspect of you because I believe this aspect of you, like I said, when channeled correctly, could be one of your most potent superpowers when it comes to being assertive and being able to get things done. So I feel the urgency to share this with you and to record this because sometimes I see women trying to erase parts of their personality that are actually very valuable and very, very powerful. 
And they're thinking that, you know, the empathy and the attunement is bad because it leads to people pleasing and they're not being assertive. But what they don't see is that the ability to work with and partner and collaborate deeply with other humans is a really valuable skill. All that's missing is layering the assertiveness on top of it. So I think about it as being the difference between taking a house, maybe you bought a house and you don't like the inside of the house. You think that it it doesn't look the way you want, right? I think about this as the difference between being like, I need to tear down the entire house. I need to demolish the house and I need to rebuild it from the ground up. Versus being like, well, I don't like the look of the house, but I wonder if I could keep the bones, keep the foundation, redo the interior of the house, and then have a beautiful house without having to demolish it and tear it down. I think of this the same way. If you're empathetic, if you're tuned into how other people feel, you don't want to demolish that personality trait and start rebuilding your communication style from scratch. You want to look at those elements of your personality, the empathy, the attunement, the sensitivity, and you want to say, how do I take what I already have? How do I use it as the foundation? How do I make some tweaks and some renovations and some adjustments to take what's here, to take the bones of my personality and my communication style and make it even more effective? This is also so much easier for you because you don't have to fight against your natural way of being and your natural way of communicating. You just have to walk that delicate line between being the collaborative, caring individual that you are and being focused on results and being someone who knows how to move things forward. But being direct and being assertive and moving things forward doesn't mean not caring about the humans around you. You can be direct and you can be assertive in a way that reflects deep caring for the humans around you. And I would argue quite strongly that that form of assertiveness is more effective than when you try to demolish the empathetic parts of yourself and rebuild from scratch. So what I want you to think about is I want you to think about your layering assertiveness into a foundation that already exists. And instead of you feeling like, oh, I have to be a hard ass and I have to be really aggressive when I explain this, I want you to think I have to get results. I'm here to make something happen and I'm going to make it happen in partnership with the people around me. So I'm not gonna make it happen on my own by talking down to people. I'm going to make the people around me want to be a part of this. Now, there are a few ways that you do this. And the way that I think about this is that there are ways you do this in the long term that you're always doing in the background. And there are ways that you do this in the immediate term that you're doing in the immediate context of the meeting or of the conversation that you are a part of. So let's start with the long-term pieces. The long-term pieces of being more assertive in a way that honors your personality and honors your gifts of empathy and being attuned to other people's feelings is you want to be aware of your stakeholders' needs and goals and concerns and fears, and you want to be thoughtful 
of those as you are communicating with and partnering with stakeholders across your organization. Now, your stakeholders, in order for you to understand their needs and their concerns and their fears and the things that are hard for them, this is a longer-term ongoing thing. So this is something that you are always doing in the background, particularly if you're in a leadership role or you're trying to get ready to move into leadership roles, in addition to the regular work that you show up and do In the background, you want to be maintaining relationships with your stakeholders, and you want to be maintaining your knowledge base of what your stakeholders at work care about, what their goals are, and what they are concerned about. The reason why you want to be doing that is because when you know what they care about, you can be thoughtful about that when you are being assertive, right? So for example, Let's say that you need to propose a project timeline for a cross-functional group of stakeholders and you want to assert it as this is what the timeline will be. It's an important timeline for you to stick with. You want to be the one deciding and sticking to the timeline and you don't want to be a pushover about it. Well, in order for you to effectively put a timeline in front of a group of stakeholders, I would never suggest that you go in and you be a hard ass and you say, okay, everyone, this is the timeline. We're doing this in four weeks and I don't care if that bothers you and I don't care if that's a problem for you and your team and I don't care if this isn't doable for you because I'm being assertive, right? And like, you can see how silly this example is. Like, of course, that would not go well with your audience But yet in our minds, sometimes we think that's what we have to do, right? We think like, I'm too collaborative. I'm too people-pleasing. I just have to come in and bang my fist on the table and get this done. But you can see through this example that that's not going to be effective. What's actually going to be effective is you spending time behind the scenes, understanding how your different stakeholders are likely to respond to this and what their concerns are likely to be So that when you assert this timeline and tell everyone, hey, this project is going to get done in four weeks, you can speak to those concerns like a leader. That doesn't mean you have to be a pushover, and it doesn't mean you have to say everybody in the room gets to have the exact timeline they want, but you get to be an empathetic human who cares about their experiences and their team's experience, and you get to communicate that you care about that by surfacing the conversation, by thinking of ways to make it manageable for them, by expressing that you want to have a dialogue to make it more manageable for them. So we really don't want to demonize collaboration. We don't want to demonize and villainize this idea that we care about other people and we're not there to be this aggressive, evil dictator who's just throwing orders around. That's not useful. And I don't believe it's effective. So the way that you get good at doing this is by knowing your stakeholders. When you know their concerns, when you know what their teams are working on, when you know what's going on for the people who are involved in your work, and you start to put together your timeline or your proposal or whatever it is you're putting together that is going to go in front of a group of people, you're already going to start to know what some of the pitfalls are. You're already going to start to know what concerns your audience might have. And then you get to ask yourself, how can I be a leader in walking this group of people through this timeline? How can I lead us 
through the difficulties that this timeline is going to bring up. You don't have to hide them. You don't have to pretend like it's not going to be difficult. You get to address them head on. You get to lead people through them. You get to make sure there are solutions and stop gaps in place so that your project can move forward as is. Does this mean you'll be able to always solve every obstacle and that there will never be a time where you might have to adjust your timeline for your stakeholders? No, there will be times where you might have to adjust it. That doesn't mean you're people-pleasing. It doesn't mean you're not being assertive, right? But a lot of the times, you will be able to get people to agree to something difficult by being thoughtful and showing them that you're an actual human who's taking the needs of others in your company into consideration. I feel like we are losing the humanity in collaboration. And I feel like no one values this idea of like, let's respect each other and treat people like humans. And you would be surprised by how far this goes when your stakeholders and your cross-functional teams see that you care about them and that you're taking the time to put measures in place that are going to help them deliver something challenging with you and for you. When you do that, they will be much more likely to say, you know what, this is a difficult timeline, but I appreciate the thought that was put into it. I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate this dialogue. I think I can get my team to do it. Like we underestimate both how important it is to be a respectful human to others around us when we're working together. And we also underestimate how effective that is. You can be really committed to your timeline. You can be really assertive about it. And you can make sure that it's workable for people around you and that you're considering other people's needs. And like I said before, if you are someone who is empathetic, who cares about other people, this part is going to be easy for you. It's going to be easy for you to figure out what other people need. The extra leap that you want to be making is that your priorities and your perspective and your timeline still matters and that you are determined to do the work in the way that you think is best while being thoughtful about the needs and experiences of your colleagues and of your stakeholders. This is the literal definition of leadership and I feel like it's disappeared from the ether because, you know, I'm out of the corporate world. So, my only exposure to what's going on in corporate is through my clients and through things that I read online because I'm not in my corporate job anymore. I used to have a corporate job. I left the corporate world in 2021 to take my podcast full time. So I don't see it anymore directly. But from what I see, all of the dialogue out there is just about like how to set your boundary and how to be assertive and how to dominate and like how to get what you want and how to say no to projects and like, yes, be assertive, like, yes, assert your boundaries, like, yes, have a strong voice. But there's this underlying belief that it can't be done in partnership with other people. And what makes me really frustrated and upset about that is that the definition of good leadership is that you actually know how to push difficult, complicated things forward in a way that respects the experiences of other people around you and feels collaborative. And I believe that people who have to resort to aggression and being domineering in order to get things done, I believe those people aren't good leaders. So if you are empathetic and you are someone who's attuned to other people's feelings, don't stop caring about other people's experiences Figure out how you can assert yourself and do things in the way that you feel is right while also accounting for some of their obstacles or their needs. 
Now, like I hinted at before, this isn't always a perfect process. You can't solve every need. But certainly, when you slow down to ask yourself, is there a way, you are much more likely to find a way to get your thing done in a way that feels collaborative and respectful than if you didn't even ask yourself. And if you assume that the only way to ever get anything difficult to cross the line is through brute force. Like when we assume that brute force and aggression and being domineering and making a power play is the only way to get things done, we close off the door to our creative thinking and our leadership and our problem solving that helps us find a way to get it done that actually works for people. And by the way, This is something that you need to know that everyone needs to know how to do if you want to retain talent. Because if the only way we know how to get things done is through brute force, we're going to burn out our teams. People are going to be resentful and unhappy. But if we figure out how to get things done at a high level in the way that we want, in a way that feels good for everyone around us, then people are going to have a really good experience working for you. And they're going to want to continue working for you. And talented people are going to gravitate towards being on your teams, which means you're going to get more incredible things done professionally because you're going to have motivated, driven individuals supporting you on the work that you're doing. So as you can see, and here I'm sure, this is really important to me because there are these misconceptions that effective, assertive communication is just about being an asshole. And it's like, it just, it pains me. It pains me. It it literally like is so psychologically painful for me to see that that's a thought floating around out there, especially because a lot of the women who listen to my podcast and follow my work are sensitive, empathetic individuals. And the whole reason that I do this work and the whole reason that I wanted to support women like that in becoming leaders is because there's such a gaping hole and such a severe lack of heart-centered, empathetic leaders out there. So the last thing that I would want is for women who are sensitive and attuned to the feelings of other people, the last thing I would want is for women like that to think, oh, for me to be effective and assertive, I have to start being an ass to people because you're giving up the one thing that I think is most important. And I have certainly multiple times been on multiple teams at multiple companies in multiple different settings where I have been effective and assertive while being highly respectful to everyone around me and highly collaborative. I was still able to get difficult, challenging things over the line. I didn't do it through being domineering. I didn't do it through brute force aggression. I did it by being true to my values, which is that I genuinely care about the people I'm working with and I want us all to have a good experience and I want to be a real human not just because I want to do good work, but because I care about humans. And it's like, we're taking the basic care and basic human relationship out of everything. And I'm just like, over here in my room recording this podcast episode, having an existential crisis where I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What is happening out there? If you're feeling this or you're seeing this, like, can you let me know? Because I'm deeply concerned about this. And I'd really like to give you permission to not have to be like a weird asshole in the way you do your work. Anyway, I'm ranting a little bit, but I want to share the second piece of advice that I gave to you. So I said the first way to layer assertiveness 
over your existing tendency towards being empathetic is to know what matters to your stakeholders always and always be thinking about that when you're having conversations with them, when you're putting proposals in front of them, when you're telling them how you think things should be done. The more that you're plugged into their needs, the more you can be thoughtful about those and you can assert yourself in a way that reflects that you are thinking about them and trying to partner with them in process of you trying to execute your work. And that gesture of partnership can go a really long way. That's kind of like the thing that you're doing in the background, right? Is you're understanding the experience that your stakeholders are having. And when you're being assertive, you're considering that because your suggestions and your ways of doing things aren't happening in a vacuum. They impact other people. They might have a negative impact on other people. And as a leader, you can talk about that. You can help solve for that. And you can lead people through the difficult decisions that often come with that. Okay, that's the long-term piece. The second piece is the short-term piece, which is the way that you engage and interact in the conversation in real time. So the first piece of advice I gave you, which is to stay connected to your stakeholders, to know what matters to them, to understand what their concerns are, that's something that you're doing in the background all of the time, especially if you work at director level or above consider that a part of your job. Consider it a part of your job description that for the stakeholders who are impacted by your work and by your projects, you are keeping up with them and with what they're doing and with what matters to them. Not just in the context of your specific project, but you're maintaining those relationships. Super duper important. By the way, (laughs) if you need a bit of help or a bit of guidance in doing that, and maintaining strong relationships with stakeholders so that you can be assertive in a way that is also empathetic and also accounts for their needs. I have a worksheet that helps you with this exact thing, and you can find this worksheet in my free resource library. So if you go to justguzzitcoaching.com slash free resources, or if you go to the show notes, I'll drop the link, you will see at the top of that page, it says sign up for the free resource library. That's where I compiled all of my free resources. And there's a worksheet in there, in the worksheet section, that is one that will guide you through the questions to ask your stakeholders as you are having regular touch points with them throughout the year to make sure you understand their priorities and their concerns. So this exact thing that I'm telling you to do, which is like know what matters to your stakeholders and know what they're concerned about, This exact thing, there's a worksheet in the free resource library that will walk you through it. In fact, let me go just check what the resource is named. It is called Audience Personalization and Relationship Building Worksheet. It currently, as I'm recording this, it's the last worksheet in the worksheets section of the free resource library. It is called Audience Personalization and Relationship Building Worksheet, and it will guide you through what I'm telling you to do. The second thing that you want to do to be assertive in a way where you're not abandoning your natural empathy and your natural attunement to the needs of others is that when you're making suggestions and when you are asserting yourself, you are acknowledging the trade-offs inherent in the thing that you're asserting 
And you are explaining why it makes sense to still make that trade-off. So in the example of you suggesting a four-week timeline, rather than just saying, hey, we're going to do this project in four weeks, and if that's an issue for you, screw you. You'll just have to figure it out. Instead of saying that, you could say something like, this is going to be a tight timeline for Teams X and Teams Y. Team X and Team Y, I know that you both are in the middle of a big sprint. Now, here's my thinking behind the four-week timeline. The reason that I'm putting this in place is because the campaign that we are running is seasonal. And if we can get it ready for delivery within this four-week deadline, we will be able to capitalize on the expected growth that it's going to give us. That's why I'm proposing this four-week timeline. That's why I'm proposing this trade-off. But let's talk about how we can make this more seamless for your team to execute. So do you see how in that example, I'm talking about the trade-off? And I'm talking not just about what my opinion is and what I think is the right way to do it, but I'm talking about the logic behind it. I'm showing respect for my colleagues. I'm not just telling them that they better do what I want no matter what. I'm explaining to them that there was thought that went into this decision of a four-week timeline. And I'm also showing them that there's thought that is now going into this process of making sure it's doable for their teams. So by me framing it up, in that way, they are much more likely to be okay with it than if I just show up and say, we're doing this in four weeks and it is what it is. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Obviously, like I'm exaggerating, right? But if I assert what I think in a way that doesn't reflect me understanding the trade-offs and understanding how we're going to need to partner to get things done, my audience is going to get pissed they're probably going to feel threatened. They're probably going to get defensive. And my four-week timeline that I'm so married to and so committed to is probably not going to happen. So when we push too hard and we drop our empathy and we try to just be super aggressive like sometimes we're told we're supposed to be, it backfires. And a lot of people experience that. A lot of people who are kind and empathetic and abandon their kindness and empathy in the name of quote-unquote assertiveness, they try this aggressive approach and it backfires because it's not effective, because no one wants to be looked over. No one wants to be told what to do in a way that feels like it doesn't account for their needs and their experience. That's just a horrible thing. And I don't think it's what we're there to do in a corporate setting. We're working together. Teamwork means we have to be considerate and thoughtful about the experiences of other people. And when we do that, we find better solutions. I'll share one last thing here, which I think is really helpful, which is that you want your assertiveness to be solution-focused, right? So you want to always be thinking, how can we do it the way that I think is best and solve for the obstacles? and solve for the frictions, and solve for the parts that feel hard for the other teams. When you take that solution-driven approach and you say, listen, this is how I think we should do it, 
and let's talk about how we solve for some of these obstacles, you get to be assertive because you're showing people how you want to do it. You're being very clear you want to do it in four weeks, but you're also being empathetic and kind and respectful because you're having a dialogue around the obstacles and you're committed to leading people to find solutions. Because just because someone can't do it in the timeline you suggested or just because they disagree with it and they say they can't, it doesn't mean there isn't a solution that actually could work. And the leadership comes not in you banging your fist on the table and being like, this is how we're going to do it. Listen to me or else. The leadership comes in you finding new solutions that make it work for everyone. And this is the kind of leadership that I think we need more of because it's the kind of leadership that leads us to win wins. When you push your thinking and your problem solving and you're assertive, but you're thinking about ways to solve the obstacles, you have a much higher hit rate, a much higher success rate of finding ways to do things that work for you and work for other people. Because some of the obstacles and some of the challenges that come up are solvable when we take the time to slow down and try to solve them. Maybe not 100% of them can be solved, but even if 20% of them can be solved, that's a whole lot better. And that's where you bring the leadership. And by the way, that requires confidence because that requires you to believe, hey, I'm going to figure this out. Like, I'm going to figure this bitch out. I'm going to get this figured out. And that requires a certain courage, like a certain like puffing your chest up of like, I will figure out a way to make this work. But that's the kind of confidence I want you to have. I don't want it to be puffing your chest up by banging your fist on the table. I want it to be puffing your chest up by being like, I'm going to find a way that works for all of us. If there's a way that works for all of us, I am going to find it. That is the most effective way to be assertive and to lead and to be direct, in my opinion. It is how I did things in my corporate career. It worked very well for me. It was very successful. People did not step all over me. I was not a pushover. People did not walk all over me. And I felt like I could be a normal human. And I didn't have to be a weirdo and speak like a weirdo and act like a fake asshole that I wasn't, right? It's like, why would we want to make ourselves into assholes that's not effective, right? Like, but really, like, it sounds so absurd, but that's what so many of us are guided to do. We're guided to contort ourselves into assholery when we have magical powers that can help us get things done in a much better way. So don't contort yourself into assholery. Rely on your magical powers and be committed to your way of doing things. Be committed to the way that you think is best while being thoughtful about the impact and the experience of the other coworkers, stakeholders, and humans around you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I had a lot of fun recording this. I hope this was really helpful for you. If it was, and you know someone who is struggling with assertiveness, share this episode with them. It might create a light bulb moment for them. And if you want to work with me directly and you're thinking about going deeper in this work, I would suggest that you check out my program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy, where I work with you to grow your confidence and to develop a powerful, assertive, confident communication style that feels authentic to you because you don't need to pretend to be someone else or contort yourself into a weirdo <laughs> or an asshole to be effective. You can be effective as the person and leader that you are. That's what my work is all about. That is what I feel so strongly about. If you wanna learn about the Art of Speaking Up Academy, 
head over to jessgazitcoaching.com slash academy. You can learn more about that program. And a quick reminder to check out my free resource library where you will find the audience personalization worksheet that is going to guide you through the conversations that you want to be having with your stakeholders so that you know what they care about so that when you're being assertive and when you're putting perspectives in front of them, you are aware of how it might impact them and you can account for that in the conversation, which is going to make you more effective. You can get access to the free resource library at justgazetcoaching.com slash free resources. I will put everything that I talked about (laughs) in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is such an honor to have you listening and I will catch you next week. Bye.